Blog Talk Radio. I'm Diane Byrne, and today we're speaking with Paul Folk, the Director and Head of Corporate Jets and Super Yachts for Barclays Wealth. Qualified as a banker, Paul, along with two colleagues, developed the Corporate Jets and Super Yachts team to focus on transactions for high net worth individuals and corporations around the world. Now, given all of the news over the past year about financial institutions failing or otherwise teetering on the brink, this introduction may make you wonder why I've brought Paul here today for this interview. Well, there's actually a very good reason. Even though the global economic crisis did have an impact on Barclays, the firm, unlike other high-profile institutions, did not cease super yacht lending or even general recreational lending. So today we're going to talk about how the international banking and economic crises have affected yacht lending, how Barclays has adapted, and what owners should do if they're in the market to buy. So let's get started. Paul, thank you so much for joining us here on Mega Yacht News Radio. We're glad to have you. Let's see if this works. Let's try again. Paul, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, good, good. Glad we got you this time. We're having a little bit of a technical difficulty there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. No problem whatsoever. Now, you know, the global banking crisis is very well publicized. You know, the dramatic changes in lending terms um, were obviously necessary, and the consumer frustration with the changes are pretty well documented. But from your standpoint, from, you know, from a corporate perspective, what was, what was it like? You know, was it, um, was it as tumultuous for you as it was for the consumers? You know, did you find yourselves having to redo contracts? after they were, you know, perhaps originally prepared? Well, I think it was difficult for both parties. Um, But, you know, Barclays has always been open to business and has continued to lend to customers um, throughout the world. For example, if I take, you know, the Barclays liquidity position at the end of uh, December 2008, it stood at £36 billion. That rose by mid-year this year to 88 billion, and is now circa 100 billion pounds. Mm. And if I look at Barclays' position in lending in the superyacht market, we've lent um, in the last 12 months circa 340 million euros purely to the superyacht segment. So that's a message that's of confidence that Barclays gives about the marketplace. Right, right. That's a good point. You know, those figures are really interesting um, and obviously very impressive, but maybe we could talk a little bit more in detail about why Barclays did not bow out. You know, there were other major lenders that had been quite high profile in the super yacht business that, that pulled back. So why did Barclays remain firm besides the fact that you felt confident in the business. Were there, you know, were there any discussions internally about how maybe you saw opportunity to take over where other companies bowed out, or you know, were there other reasons involved too? Well, I think you have to look at the approach of Barclays to this particular market. We've always been a responsible lender in terms that we've always looked at the combination of the credit quality of the client 
and the quality and the valuation of the assets, you know, both today and in future values. Um, so we've always had a sort of uh, in-depth look at the client's ability to repay. And because we have dedicated teams into what I call the two segments of the yachting market, you've got the marine market and the superyacht market, which we classify as 40 meters and above, um, we're probably able to use those skill sets more beneficially than our peers and competitors. That sounds good. Great. Now, how many years has Barclay been providing yacht financing? And do you extend it for all different aspects from construction to brokerage and even refit? Um, if I look at Barclays Marine, uh, they've been around now for uh, circa 50 years, lending into this uh, market traditionally in the UK, but you know they've expanded more into the Europe, Middle East, and uh, elsewhere around the world. In the super yacht market, this business was set up approximately five, six years ago, and is dedicated to those yachts where there are 40 meters and above, um, and with a minimum advance rate of 10 million pounds. Now, whilst we generally finance new yachts and super yachts, we also look at pre-owned, we'll also look at construction periods as well. And particularly in the marine market, you will also have certain other aspects like stocking finance, etc. So they'll always be looked at as well, but you know, each case is assessed on its own merits. Right, right. You know, that that makes me think about the overall need to identify and manage risks, you know, being a part of financing. How do you apply this to the superyacht financing? You know, for example, do you look into the materials being used to construct the yacht? Um, do you look at the shipyard's financial health? What are, the, what are some of the things that you examine when you're thinking about the risk involved? Well, first of all, our number one principle is that we always look two ways out of a transaction. So we're always looking at the down tour, whether it be an individual or a corporate, and we'll also look at the assets. So we want to look at the valuation today and its future values. So when we're looking at uh, the overall transaction, as part of our due diligence, we'll always look at the yard for a new build in terms of assessing their financial strength, their history in building super yachts of that quality and ilk. We'll also look at the operational and performance risks and put that all together as part of our normal credit and due diligence. We'll also take a view from um, our external advisors and we'll also look at the valuations of the yachts that they have produced that exist in the market and see how they vary. Okay. Now, what happens if a new build project runs late? It's a very common occurrence that stems from things that can sometimes be outside of the yard's control. For example, uh, change orders from the owner or perhaps equipment being delayed in shipping. Can a client renegotiate the length and other terms of their super yacht loan? Well, I think, you know, we've got to be realistic here. I mean, a lot of build contracts will have um, a slippage clause in, in any case. But if you come to the worst case scenario where we have got significant delays and we are going to go beyond what we would call a drop dead date, then the best action is for all parties to get around that table, look at the situation, assess what the risks are, and maybe it is a restructure or it's purely just an extension of the build contract. 
which all parties will agree. Right, right. That sounds good. And what about the risks in regards to the client? You you touched on this earlier, but I'd like to go into it a little bit more. Um, you talked about looking at the financial health of the of the individual, their assets. How else do you evaluate who makes a good risk in, especially in terms of these days where so many financial institutions are are quite risk averse? Yeah, I think you know the best way to describe this is um, from a starting point is that we want a personal financial statement of the client, which more or less mirrors the profit and loss and balance sheets of a corporate. So we need to understand their sources of income, the stability of that income, and we need to understand the assets that the client has around the world, which jurisdictions uh, dominate, and also the associated liabilities. And we use that as part of our picture to build up um, a grade for that client, which will then determine the price that we will apply to that transaction transaction for the cost of our capital. Mm-hmm. Let's walk a little bit more through the process of the client obtaining financing. Um, are there any steps that they tend to overlook that they should take before meeting with one of your officers? I think the most common uh, scenario is the lack of information on day one. Um, I think in years gone by, people have talked about the project more the yacht, more, but less attention has been uh, paid to the income and the assets, i.e. the net assets of the client. And I think in today's world where we've almost got a CSI approach, um, the client really does have to get on day one full financial detail of his personal circumstances to us in order that we can assess the situation. Right, right. Now, when you're talking about the assets, too, are you talking all assets, liquid and otherwise, or are you being very specific? No, we need to look at all the assets and the associated liabilities because we want to have a look at whether those assets have got stability and value, how liquid some of them are, um, all as part of the credit quality of the client because, you know, it's okay looking at the serviceability, but what happens if something goes wrong? Mm. So, you know, a few years down the road, we want to know that that client is not overburdened with debt and can continue to service uh, the financing. Right, right. That makes sense. Do you see any trends in terms of the percentages that the clients wish to finance? For example, do, do people tend to want to finance maybe 40% of a project's cost or more or less, or, or is there even no real average, and it varies pretty much from client to client? Uh, I think it's a combination in reality. What you have seen prior to the uh, credit crunch were potentially transactions of 8% value and interest only. I think those have disappeared now. People are getting more realistic. Um, the maximum they want to borrow is uh, 70%. And again, depending on the size of the project and the jurisdiction to which they're from, it could even be lower. Oh, wow, interesting. Okay. Now, what about uh, any further changes that may be pending in the banking and financial world? Do you see anything coming down within the next few months that could potentially impact yacht lending, or does it seem like things have 
somewhat settled for a while? Um, I think the dust is still settling, especially what happened last week in Dubai. Um, in the superyacht market, so, you know, which again I define as 40 meters plus, those clients are significantly wealthy. They haven't overreacted to the economic situation. They've tended to uh, be calm. Um, and I think that's been reflected in some of the values of these super yachts, especially at the top end. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been no panic sales. There's been no forced sales at the top end. And I still believe that, you know, the market is still waiting to see uh, what really happens. I don't think we've hit the bottom as yet. Right, right. I, I agree. I've talked to several shipyards and, and uh, designers, and everybody's feeling a bit more confident than they did a year ago, but they're still thinking that the worst may not perhaps be over yet. They're, they're hoping that it is, of course, because they'd like to just proceed back to some semblance of normalcy, um, but they're, they're really not holding their breath just yet, so, um, which is unfortunate because I think it's keeping a lot of people in a bit of a holding pattern, um, but they're, you know, they're doing what they have to to keep their businesses going and just trying to get adjusted to the new normal, I guess. Yeah, but by the same token, people need to look at the good points, you know, yeah. uh, that have manifested themselves in the marketplace. You know, there have been a number of sales in the superior world, and you have got banks that exited the market looking to re-enter, and you've also got new entrants. Right, And, right. you know, there was some recently some good news that came out of, you know, the superior show in Monte Carlo earlier on this year. So Right, this is true, right. There's some good news as well as, you know, the sort of global bad news. Right, right. Yeah, there have been uh, some... Some shipyards have reported some positive talks, and uh, even at the Fort Lauderdale show in late October, they felt uh, a bit better too after that show. So uh, we'll we'll just have to see if some of those talks actually turn into contracts. I think that would be good for everybody. Well, I think from the buyer's point of view, they're probably negotiating their contracts over a, a greater period than what they did do, say four or five years ago. They're spending more time negotiating points, etc. Yeah. So I think they're still around there, and you know, the, there will be some good news that will come out over the next eighteen months, I guess. Right, right. Well, it makes sense to be extra cautious these days. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time today, and thanks for helping to explain a subject that has an impact on a lot of people, and will continue to have an impact for quite some time to come. Okay, it's been a pleasure. Everyone, if you'd like to learn more about Barclays Wealth, you can visit the website, which is www.barclayswealth.com. There are dedicated sections for the Americas and other regions of the world, which you'll find rather easily when you visit. Once again, this is Diane Byrne. Thanks so much for tuning in to Mega Yacht News Radio today. To learn more about the Mega Yacht Market, you can read my daily blog and see exclusive videos at www.megayachtnews.org.